I'm Dr. Leif Tapanilla from the Idaho Museum of Natural History, and I'm here with Peter Pruitt from Zoo Idaho, and this is The Nature of Idaho. Coming to you from the 1B, Bannock County that is, we're talking all about Idaho, its wild places and wild faces, the natural setting that makes Idaho an incredible place to live and be proud of. Today our guest is Matt Sacrios. He's the Parks and Recreation Maintenance Technician for the City of Pocatello, but today he's here to talk with us about snowboarding. Peter, been snowboarding lately? So when I first moved here, I did take snowboarding lessons, and it only lasted one one lesson, practicing falling. And for some reason, I gave myself a severe abdominal muscle strain. Wow. And it was one of the more painful injuries I've had in a very long time. So you were practicing how to fall, and were you successful? Totally. Too successful? Too successful. So yeah, <laughs> driving back from Pebble Creek to urgent care was a little tough. <laughs> well, that's sad. That's a sad story, Peter. Yeah, I know. Okay. Well, uh, would you be willing to tr- give it a try again? Well, I went to uh, skiing after that. Okay. And so I'm having fun with that, even though I, I, I did separate my shoulder skiing as well. So. Man, you are having just... A great time out there. Oh, totally. Well, skiing's fun. I've I've skied quite a lot, but snowboarding, I haven't done it yet. And one of these days, we're going to get on the hill and try it out. Our guest today is going to talk to us about that and maybe some beginners how to get into it. Uh, But before we get there, Peter, I bet you got some nature in the news. You know, speaking of shoulders, Leif, have you ever wondered how humans evolved to have flexible shoulders and elbows? that allow us to throw things and, you know, even separate our shoulders. Uh, I, I understand it's one of the weakest joints in our body. <laughs> right, totally. But go on. Tell yeah, more so about we've got some researchers at Dartmouth. Um, they may have found a very good reason as to why these characteristics helped us and other apes climb down trees. Go on. Not climb up trees, but climb down trees. So the folks at Dartmouth looked at the... Mangabees, which are a monkey, definitely smaller, and and, um, don't think there's one species of mangabees. There's a whole bunch. So they looked at how mangabees climb up and down trees versus chimpanzees. And what the difference really is, um, is these mangabees have um, their shoulder socket is kind of pear-shaped, and they have an elongated little bone on their elbow, which gives us our little pointy bone, that's elongated. So they can't extend their arm like we can. It's more like a quadrupedal animal. It's more of an L-shaped, where chimpanzees are much like us. They've got a a shallow ball and socket, and that bone is much shorter, so they can stretch their arm straight. Right. And what they found out is that, well, chimpanzees and us humans need to climb down trees butt first. Okay. Because we're much larger than monkeys, and if gravity takes hold and we fall out of the tree, that's not so good. Especially head first. Head first, right. (laughs) And when you think about the whole idea of natural selection and evolution, the um, primitive humans and apes that fell out of trees head first didn't really last as long as those that could climb down backwards with uh, a straight arm and shoulder. Okay. And so our shoulder sockets are made for down climbing, not up climbing? Yeah. Down climbing. Very interesting. Yep. Uh, So, uh, but but just falling out, we could do that too. Oh, we totally could. I mean, I've done that as well. On a snowboard. Well, no, yeah, in a tree. (laughs) Yeah. 
But for some reason, when you're you know 40 years younger, you bounce a little bit more. You're not bouncing so much these days. No, not at all. Okay. Thanks for that. Our trivia question for today about snowboarding. When did snowboarding become an official sport in the Olympics? If you don't remember, we'll have that answer for you. When we come back from the break, we're talking snowboarding today. Stay tuned. Get continued access to local news and all the programs you enjoy through the Listen Live link at KISU.org. Or try using your web-connected Amazon or Google smart speaker with the command, Play KISU. Hey, welcome back from the break. I want to welcome our guests today. It's Matt Sacrius, and we're talking about snowboarding today. First off, welcome to the Nature of Idaho. Thank you, guys. Stoked to be here. Well, first, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, I grew up in Pocatello, Idaho. I'm 36 years old now. Been snowboarding for about 20 years, mainly at Pebble Creek, the local hill, hill here. And I really like the Pocatello area. It's, it's real chill. It never really seems to change compared to the outside world. And everyone here is super friendly. The weather's, eh, weather's all right. It's either <laughs> cold or hot. There's not really in between. But yeah, I love it here. And I'm stoked to be on the show with you guys. I, I like how he says local hill. I, you yes. Know, I'm from a place where all we do, we, all we have are hills, and it might be a 200-foot elevation gain, and that's a big hill. So <laughs> our local mountain. The local mountain. The local mountain. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, so when did you start snowboarding? I was about 16. Oh, 16. Uh, so what got you into it? My older brother actually got me into it. I was really into riding dirt bikes and skateboarding, and the idea didn't even really click with me at first because I was like, oh, you're strapped in, you're on snow, it's can't be that much fun. And he dragged me down to the local uh, snowboard shop, Surf's Up, which is now East Fork Bikes. And uh, Tom Hale gave me my first full setup and he's like, just go try it out for a couple weeks and if you don't like it, bring all your stuff back. And my brother took me up there every day and it was just such a nightmare. I just could not get it <laughs> dialed. I was sore every day. It was a lot harder than I thought it would ever be. And the last day I was getting ready to take my stuff back, I started linking turns. And in that moment, I instantly knew this is it. This is it. And ever since then, I've been going everywhere. I've been chasing it during the summertime, going all over the world, and I'm just addicted to it now. And it was all from that one day. That one little step. And I, got, and I have to recommend people, if you've got an older sibling, they might not be the best person to try to teach you how to do something. But if they are, you know, keep going at it because you're going to have that mat moment where all of a sudden everything clicks. clicks. Yeah. Explain that transition. You're, you're struggling with it, right? As I yeah. bet a lot of people can mm -hmm. relate to when they're picking up a new skill, if yeah. it was skiing or snowboarding in this case. And what, you're just falling over and getting frustrated, right? Pre pretty much. Like I just, I really wanted to link turns and I couldn't and I would just... I would just go straight and then I would snow plow. I'd go straight and then I would snow plow. And every time I tried to go to my toes, I would just catch my back edge. And uh, it really is, it's not even so much a technique. It's, it's like a muscle memory with your legs. Like when you go to get on your toes at first, your heels just want to drop. And, uh, I think it was just over the week or two, my, my legs finally got strong enough and I could just, I felt it and I could just hold myself up on my toes. And I was so good at going straight and going to my heels that once I could hold myself up on my toes, I instantly could carve. And it just clicked like that. 
there was no snow plowing down the rest of the mountain, which you guys know Pebble's really steep. I could just just had it dialed, could just carve all the way down. And just the freedom of it, like skiing, that's what I love about skiing too. Like you can just, I mean, you can like look over on another ridge and you can skate yourself over there, you know, like it's just such a freedom feeling unlike, you know, like where you're on a dirt bike or something, you're stuck to a trail or skateboarding, you're stuck in the park, but skiing and snowboarding is just so free. I love it. So when you're saying linking turns, you're kind of making giant S turns as you're going down, exactly. down the mountain. And for those who've never skied or snowboard, our natural response when we're going down a mountain or a hill, if you get out of control, you kind of want to lean back because yeah. you don't want gravity to take you down. But that's like the worst move you could do because all of a sudden the snowboard just goes right out from underneath you. So you kind of got to get comfortable leaning a bit down the mountain. Yeah. And that's a, you bring up a good point there. Like, and that's another natural thing. Like when you're snowboarding, you're sideways and your body naturally wants to get straight. And that's a thing you got to fight when you're learning how to snowboard because your body, like, especially when you start jumping and stuff, you just want to, to turn and face down the mountain instead of keeping your left shoulder or your right shoulder if you're regular or goofy. And that's, that's a big learning curve too, is getting used to just being sideways. So let's talk about when you said regular and goofy, what, what does that mean? Uh, regular footed is your left foot is forward and going down the hill. And goofy is your right foot is leading you down the hill. And a lot of people don't, it's confusing for people which one they are. And because a lot of people, I don't know, it's just some people are, it's kind of hard to describe. That's really one of the weird things in snowboarding because a lot of people are right leg dominant. And that's usually the leg you're, you're using the most when you're, you know, the one that's behind you. But I know people that are right leg dominant that are goofy and they have their left foot behind them. It's just... There's no, there's no teaching it. It's just a natural. And, and one just feels easier to control exactly. over the other. Yeah. And, and like I have friends that skateboard left foot forward and they snowboard right foot forward, which is beyond me. <laughs> but some people are that way. Yeah. How I figured out that I was goofy is my youngest wanted to learn how to skateboard. So we got her some long, got a longboard and I just naturally started kicking off with my left foot. And then when I tried to kick off with my right, it just, it didn't fit. Right. Yeah. 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 So what about snow? What, if, if, if it's warmer out, is it easier to control or is it you like nice, cold, fresh powder? What? Uh, that's, I would say that's a big preference thing. Like I'm really big into warm, slushy skiing. I love it. And I think it's just cause we grew up in Idaho where it's cold and you get that cold smoke snow and can be icy, but man, there's nothing like riding in warm weather. But to go back to your point though, slushy snow is a little catchier. It seems like that's where people can kind of get hurt a little more because your, your edges will grab up more and the snow's a little heavier. But riding in powder is extremely difficult too because it's a totally different skill than just riding on packed snow. There's, a, there's just a different, it's the real feel of snowboarding and skiing is riding in powder. And riding in powder is, I think, the hardest thing to do in skiing and snowboarding, especially to do it well. So you're 16, and that moment clicks. You know, there's so many different stages of snowboarding oh, and, yeah. and skill levels. How did you progress after that? You go, okay, I've got these, I got these S turns going. You didn't jump 
right into I'm going to go off of this ledge right here and, and do a flip. Or... Well, that, that kind of goes back to where you're saying maybe you don't want your older brother to teach you because my brother was like, you are going to be my test dummy off a lot of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and he sent me off stuff he probably shouldn't have. <laughs> and that's I, I think it helped me out, though, progress, because he was always like, eh, you know, I don't know if I want to hit that. Matt, you should go jump off that real quick. And I'm like, all right, you know, just 16-year-old kid, I'll, I'll do it. Yeah, when when fear isn't quite that inhibitor that you'd like it to be, yeah. <laughs> and then and, and then you you learn that okay, yeah, I did biff it, but I didn't I didn't break as many bones as I thought I would. Yeah. It's okay. So, and you're either learning to ride or you're learning to fall. It's and they're both learning to fall is so like knowing how to fall down is a big deal because you don't get hurt. You know how to, and it really is an art and a tech more of a technique than people really think. I mean, it really is. Like being able to tumble and know, knowing not to put your hands down behind you and accept, just anything like that is a big deal. Or if you don't like me and don't recommend it, I don't wear a helmet. You learn how to cover your elbows over your head when you go tumbling down, especially when you're like in the backcountry going off cliffs and stuff. Really learn how to protect your, your dome. So you started off at Pebble? At Pebble Creek. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so this is, this is a little while ago, but, um, you know, Tell us a little bit about that hill and why it's good for snowboarding. Or is it a challenge? Because it's, you know, it's a fair bit of steep terrain there. Pebble is the ultimate learning ground. It's it's steep. It's short. There's no flat in it, which is good. Cause like, there's it, How can I really put this? Pebble is just a challenging mountain. Like we were talking earlier, there's a lot of rocks. It gets your awareness up. But I would have to say the steepness of it. It's. I mean, you always hear if you can ride Pebble, you can ride anywhere, which is, you know, it's fairly true. But I mean, once you start traveling the world, you'll start to see that Pebble really is a small little mountain. But it's, man, it's. I just, it's a perfect little mountain for everything. It's got good little side hits, good little, you know, good backcountry, good cliffs. They could do better on the terrain park, but the snow's always good up there too. Like versus if you go to like the East Coast and stuff, it's always icy. It's all. It always seems to stay fairly soft at Pebble Creek. And it's close. Most people have to drive two to three hours. Where Pebble, you can be up there in 15 minutes. I mean, you can you can get off at noon and go skiing every day, and it's just right there, which a lot of people I know that live in Salt Lake and stuff, they're driving two to three hours, which it's more like, ah, oh, maybe I'll just wait for the weekend. Where Pebble, you can just you can go up there pretty much every day. You know, I think, too, as you're learning a new skill, um, doing it over and over and over and as often as you can definitely helps reps is key yeah repetition is key and staying committed to it and not giving up on it because a lot of people will get right there they'll be so close to having it dialed and then they just they just quit when they could have been loving it well again it goes back to that first couple of weeks where you're saying you're ready ready just to hand the stuff back in and all of a sudden that one little click the aha moment of the turn exactly yeah and i don't even ride dirt bikes or skateboarding anymore and that was my that was it for me and then i started snowboarding and now that's all i do is snowboard so you follow the seasons do you travel in order to you know catch up with the snow in the summer I do. yep i'll go up to like mount hood or i'll go to Beartooth pass in montana we'll go up to bloomington lake and hike because it holds snow almost year round but definitely and that like pete was saying with the reps like it's that is what helped me out a lot because, like, you know, you have your winter and a lot of people have all summer off, seven months. And then when you get back on it, it's almost like you still can do it, but it's kind of like 
relearning it again. But when you stay on it throughout the summer, winter, summer, winter, you just, man, you get your reps in and it just becomes second nature to you. You don't even have to think about it anymore. And that's with everything, hitting rails, hitting jumps, carving, riding pow, everything. So if, uh, are you, are you I don't know, doing more extreme environments where you're taking chopper rides up to the tops of... Uh, I've never done chopper rides, done? but uh, I've definitely hiked, done a lot of backcountry touring. Yeah. And uh, I've gotten like invites to ride like super parks and stuff like that and just unique stuff that a lot of people don't get to ride. So in backcountry with snowboarding, I'm, I'm thinking a lot of skiers that I know, they'll put on the skins and they can, yeah. you know, hike up the mountain and so forth and then ski back down. With the snowboard, you're not going to snowboard your way up the hill. So do you ski up and then there's, ride there, down? There's a lot of people, yeah, like split board and stuff like okay. that. So there's uh, people split board. I have approach skis. Okay. And uh, they're at there's skis that have the skins built onto them and they fold up and fit in my backpack. That way I can ride my actual snowboard. Yeah. Because with the split board where it's split, it, it kind of rides differently. And I like to have the full snowboard under me, if that makes sense. Yeah. But yeah, pretty much just skin up. Make sure you have all your stuff, you know, like your Abbey gear and someone with you at all times. And that's, again, that's, I think that's key right there. Have your avalanche gear and have a partner. Avalanches do happen. Yeah. You know, and they happen on the backside of Pebble. Yeah. So, yeah. Or there was, you know, one time when I broke my pelvis, if I would have been by myself that, and we were in the back country, that would have been. I smell that, a story there. That, that would have what, been bad. What happened? <laughs> uh, it was, it was a couple of years ago and we had all that. It, I can't remember. It was a good snow year. It was like, I think 2019, 2020. And uh, we were in the back country and I was with a couple buddies and we found this really nice cliff and it had to have been 40 foot drop and we built a little kicker off it and we rode Chambaud who would go first and I lost. So I was like, you know, I got it. And it was super good day. So I tried to do a nice front three off it. And as soon as I landed, there was a cliff, there was a rock shelf, just a foot under the snow. Yeah. And the first thing that hit was my right hip and it broke my pelvis and uh, I knew it right away. Uh, I didn't even tell anyone. I just I put my shirt in my mouth and bit onto it as hard as I could. And I tried to ride as far as I could down the mountain. And by the time they got to me, I was on my belly on my snowboard just trying to sit, crawl out. And I crawled out of there by, without any help. I did it. <laughs> it was ruthless. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, that's the... Accidents do happen, you know, and, and it's the the great part is you didn't say, oh, I can't do this again. You yeah. know, it's, and I'm sure this wasn't the first. No. Might be the most extreme yeah. injury that you've had. And, and weird, weirdly enough, Bob Marley, everything's going to be all right, was playing in my headphones. And I was just like, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. <laughs> As you're crawling <laughs> through the <Jeez>. snow. <laughs> How far out were you? We, it was... It was top of Canal Street, if you know where that's at. It's just the top of the mountain, but it's it's off on the side, so it's like the back country, you know. It took me about 45 minutes to get out back to the ski resort. Took me a while. And then when we got to the lift, the lift broke down, and I was just want because I do not want to ride in a toboggan. They're like, do you, you want to ski this toboggan? I'm like, no, just I'll, I'll get on the lift. I'm like, are you sure? And after the lift broke down, I was like, bring the toboggan. Just, just get me out of here, man. <laughs> 
So is there a stigma for people who have to ride the toboggan? Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we'll go back to at 16, you started snowboarding. You know, where has that led you to nowadays, minus the injuries? What have, what have you been able to experience because of snowboarding? A lot more than I ever would have imagined. Honestly, just being in love with the adventure and love and snowboarding, it got me to places like Australia and Switzerland and Japan and Austria, all over the world, all paid for. And never in a million years did I think anything like that would ever happen for me. I never even, like most people, kids these days, oh, I want to be pro. And I never even, never even thought of it like that. I just loved it so much. Uh, and to, to think that I got, and I just got back from Japan not too long ago. And to think that I get paid to go around the world and film and you know get a ride in contests and all that it's it's pretty mind-blowing really it really is if you fall in love with the journey of something you will you will go far well how did that tell us about that evolution so you you know from being 16 to having you know trips and events and that sort of thing how did that progress how did you get there so when I first got into it I was just all about the love of it and then I kind of got into competing a little bit and I always did really well competing and I always just wanted to be better than everyone. So, like, I mean, I was I would drag, like, PVC tubes in my backyard, and I would just hit them over and over and over again. And I'd build jumps and just hit them over and over and over again. And weirdly enough, like, how I ended up getting to travel was uh, I had put a clip up on my Instagram, and this company that now sponsors me called Five Snowboards are like, hey, can we put this clip up of you? And I was like, yeah, go for it. I don't, you know, I don't care. And it ended up getting... Like, crazy views like it went viral like 20 30 million views and uh, the guy was like hey man you got a sponsor or anything and I was like I don't and just and just from that moment on once he sponsored me and started putting my stuff up on his Instagram and his social media sites I started getting other sponsors and everyone just like oh this kid's pretty sick you know let's hook this kid up and that's pretty much been it really just staying dedicated to it and being obsessive, dragging my friends out when they don't want to go. Let's go hit rails. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> when everyone else is wanting to go party, I was just wanting to go snowboard. How many how many days out in a year do you think you get? Oh man, over 150, probably around 200. Yeah, awesome. That's really cool. A lot of days. Yeah. So, do you have to do any other type of training besides just out? on as many mountains as you can find. What I mean, what do you do when you're not snowboarding? I would go to, uh, like, gymnastics classes and stuff like that. Well, I wouldn't go to classes, but I'd just go jump on tramps and jump into foam pits and still would skateboard because that would help me with my rails. Even in the summertime in my lawn, I would uh, set up a little barricade that I could just jump onto and just try and get the feeling of it. I'd mess around on my carpet all the time with it, like just pretty much overly obsessive with it always tweaking my stances and always pushing myself too. like never just being like, Oh no, I can't You want to scare yourself. That's how you get better for sure. Just pushing it all the time. You got to step over the edge yeah. to find that edge, right? <laughs> you do. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Well, so are you working on new tricks? Is that, is, is it always know, there's, there's kind of the next extra degree of rotation or exactly. a hold or a grip. Yeah. To, yeah. Which is insane when you think about it. Like when you think just an extra 180 degree in a, in a spin, it's insane how hard it really is. 
to just get that extra little skip in there. But yeah, always working on new stuff. Do you, do you try this out first? Like you were mentioning before, ball pit and trampoline. Are you doing it without board first and just trying to get the rotation of your body first, or do you, or does that really emulate it properly? No, it to does. Be able to land Absolutely. It? Okay. No, it does. Uh, it just all depends. Like there's some days I'll. And you guys, it's just like with anything with with golf or basketball. There's some days you're just on, and you know, it's like you can you can do it. And that's where a lot of my tricks, of, you know, like I'm just like, God, oh, I'm feeling good today, and I'll try something new, and it'll at least get close enough to where I'm like, okay, I can do it. But um, scarier stuff like doing doubles and stuff like that, definitely going to foam pits and airbags and getting as many reps in as I can, getting the muscle memory, so I don't when I go to do it, there's not a panic or anything. You at least commit to it you know right. you don't have to think about it yeah yeah oh that's so fun. It, it isn't it necessarily you're going down pebble and inspiration strikes and you're i'm going to try this no not all no. the time no <laughs> calculated risks for yes. sure yeah calculated risks or else you'll wind up in the hospital pretty quick well so okay so we've got uh maybe some folks listening that haven't snowboarded before maybe they've skied but they haven't you know tried the other what do you recommend as a starting point for somebody trying to get in? Maybe they're they're snowboard curious. Mm, like just as far as like just getting literally just getting started. Yeah, definitely learning how to snowplow. Your stance is a big thing. That's a, when I'm up on the hill. I see a lot of people that don't know how to get their stance correct. And uh, a big rule of thumb is the tip of your middle finger to your elbow for a stance width, and you want to have more nose than tail. That's I can't push that enough on people. Your stance is way bigger than you could ever imagine. And if you don't have your stance right, it's like being almost fitted for golf clubs or something. Like it just won't work for you. Hmm. Just won't happen. But um definitely and that's the cool thing about snowboarding. If you live somewhere where you don't even have to necessarily go up to Pebble Creek. Like you can go to like Bartsfield or you can go somewhere that just has snow and try and get it figured out before you go up to the hill. But like we said earlier, it's just Especially if you're if you're going from skiing to snowboarding, and you know how to carve on skis, you should be able to. It should click pretty quick because it's kind of the same thing. Although I think skiing's harder, in my opinion, than snowboarding. But definitely just learning how to stay on your edges, snow plow. Snow plowing's big. Once you can know how to snow plow, you can work from there. You know, I think the other great part too within our community, we've got places where you can rent the equipment, because I think sometimes when people want to learn how to do something new and especially if you have to purchase stuff that's you don't want to go out and buy buy, the most expensive stuff right Right. away but you don't want to buy the cheapest stuff either so being able to rent some good decent equipment is going to go a long way for you to learn to snowboard as well exactly that's a great point because that can like that can turn parents off too that their kids want to do and they're like oh i want all this stuff and they're like oh you've never done it before i don't you know let's rent you some stuff like kind of like just like me like tom he just he gave me a bunch of stuff. It wasn't mine. He just most people would have rented it, but he was doing me a favor. And uh, yeah, I just think if my parents would have bought all that, and I wouldn't have clicked on that second week. And, <laughs> mm-hmm. What? Yeah. What? what? Yeah, right. And and I think the other thing too, um, you know, especially my time up at Pebble, it's a great community, whether snowboarder or skier. It is. You're gonna, and if you've got questions, there's going to be someone out there that's willing to, to help, to help or spend a, just a little bit of time with you. So don't be afraid to say, hey, how did you, 
Matt, how did you do that? Yeah. And chances are you're going to go, well, try this a little bit. Oh, boom. And pe- and that's a good point. And people love that. People, like when they're skiing and snowboarding, they love it so much. They love to help people. So, like, if you go up to someone and you're like, hey, Matt, how are you making that turn like that? They're, I would say 99% of the time someone will try and help you out without a doubt. That's great. Well, and we live in a part of the world where, you know, at any part of Idaho, really, you're not far from a hill. Yeah. You're not far from that kind of opportunity. Mm-hmm. So we really encourage people to try it out. Uh, I started the interview out or the show out with a trivia question about when snowboarding became an official sport in the Olympics. Can you help us with that? Nagano, 1998. 1998. Yeah, it's been, it feels like it's been around for a long time. I guess it's, it's, that's 20, because you've years. been around for a long time. Yeah, maybe, maybe that's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> we're all getting old. All we all getting get old, yeah. <laughs> but we're never not old enough to learn something new. Yeah. Right on. So perfect. Awesome. We want to really thank you, Matt, for joining us today. And for anyone who really wants to learn about snowboarding and are, are snowboarding curious, one, we've got a great community here in Pocatello for you to start out. And if you just want to get online, try snowboarder.com. Love it. Thanks for joining. Hey, yeah. thanks, guys. This was great. Yeah. The Nature of Idaho receives support from listener contributions to KISU-FM. Shows are produced at KISU Studios in Pocatello at Idaho State University with editing and production by Ben Graham and Shelby McGovern. Music is by Idaho's very own Sons of Bannock. Audio of this and all past episodes of The Nature of Idaho can be found at KISU.org or from Spotify and other select podcast services. Send your thoughts and suggestions to noid-kisu at isu.edu.